Hey there, Cabin listeners. Happy New Year's Eve. Co-producer Susan Foch here, and I am so excited to kick off the new year, I'm sure just as much as you are. But before we do that, we wanted to bring you the best of 2020. Sit back and relax while we review our top 10 most downloaded episodes throughout the year and share a laugh with us or two as you go into a new year with new possibilities. And plenty of new episodes where we try and bring you the best of Wisconsin. So starting with our 10th most downloaded episode, it's episode 36, Brew Wisconsin, the state's top breweries. Okay, well, I want to throw two out right away at the top of this, this segment here. Two of what I deem to be the most iconic in Wisconsin, this is debatable, I, I recognize. But we've got New Glarus Brewing Company and, of course, New Glarus over in Greene County. I also want to talk about Line of Kugels and Chippewa Falls. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do, like, some type of, um, you know, brewery bucket list, these two better be on your bucket list. I love New Glarus Brewing Company for a few reasons. First of all, it's in New Glarus, which is one of the coolest towns, obviously very Swiss town, uh, very small town. And the brewery there just has this amazing view of the rolling hills. Sitting out there on the patio is just like, it's the best summer experience. If you round up your friends, grab a couple beers. And the tour itself is amazing. Like I went on it for the very first time, I think it was last summer or the summer before. And everyone in there, like it's gotta, I always, when I go there, I think it must be odd for the the employees there. I mean, they're constantly like they've got to feel like they're in a museum because as you're walking mm-hmm. through, there's all these big gla- glass or ro- it's all roped off and they're all, you know, they're working their shift and tons of people are just kind of, yeah. that's got to be weird, I would think. But <laughs> yeah, they're on display all the time. They are. Yeah. Yeah. But I also really love New Glarus Brewing Company because of just the story and the fact that it was the first Deb Carey who owns it with her husband, Dan, she is the first female founder of a brewery in the United States, which is oh, really? crazy. Yeah. Surprising stat, actually. I know. Hmm. I Yes, agreed. Uh, and I got to interview her and Dan for that same episode a couple of years ago, and they couldn't be more down to earth. They were not setting out, from what I remember from the interview, they were not setting out to accomplish what they accomplished. And I think that's when you find success in people like this is when they're just doing it because they're passionate. I loved, she told me the story of, I think she was more of the creative and Dan did a little bit more of the brewing. So she had a lot to do with the naming of the beers. And I think I want to say the spotted cow came from her. Mm. And she said, you should have seen the reaction when we started naming our beers. People thought we were we were absolutely nuts. And to see that, I think she was. They were one of the. They were at the forefront of getting crazy with beer names. Nowadays, you just you see it everywhere, right? Like the crazy <laughs> oh, yeah. names. Crazy they, names and good graphic design is how you great, start a successful brewery. <laughs> great graphic design, and in their case, little to no marketing. I mean, they're one brewery yeah. who's just very stubborn about making sure it's only sold in Wisconsin, which has really added to the allure of the beer. And they just don't have to invest a lot in marketing, which has you know for them it's worked out. Yeah. Well, they were they were able to do what every business wants to do wants, and that's to be desired so much people smuggle it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've had yeah. to smuggle spotted cow to Los Angeles mm-hmm. on a plane. 
Yeah. And, you know, people, it, it just really drives up. Now, that goes away eventually. I mean, Smokey and the Bandit, the movie, was all about smuggling Coors east of the Mississippi. So that never <laughs> doesn't always last. But they've got something big in Spotted Cow, and a bunch of their other beers are really good, too. Mm-hmm. So. It started back in 1993, in case you were wondering. I wanted mm. to look that up. because, like, how long have they been around? So That was early on in the craft brewing resurgence, too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty yes. Sprecher and them. And Line of Kugels, real quick, just because I brought them up too, another super iconic brewery, been around a lot longer than New Glarus Brewing Company, um, 150 years-ish, I want to say. And what I love about um, about Line of Kugels is, first of all, it's located in Chippewa Falls, another great small town. I mentioned it a few episodes mm-hmm. back as one of my favorite mm-hmm. towns on the west side of the state. Oh, yeah. And I love that you can get a tour with an actual member of the Line and Kugel family. I think that's pretty special, like to get a personal tour of the brewery. So something. Uh, Dick Line and Kugel gave me a tour in one of the episodes, the uh, Triple yeah, Falls episode. I remember that. And it was, it was awesome because he went into so much great detail and. You know, mm-hmm. he got into the little nooks and crannies of the brewery. It was awesome. I can't imagine anyone knows the business better than the actual family. So I think right? that's super, yeah. super cool. Yeah. Well, and they have the passion for it, too, that they love 100%. to share. So. All right. All right. Our ninth most downloaded episode is episode 25, Wisconsin Camping Destinations. I will do uh, one that's way out in nature and one that offers some amenities. You're still camping, but amenities are close by. Okay. So uh, the first one I will say is, and I and I did set up a tent. I pitched a tent in the show in Governor Thompson State Park, which is still one of the newest state parks in Wisconsin. I've not been there. That's one that I've yet to and visit. One, one of the reasons I recommend that for camping is it's so far out of the way. Mm. There's not, mm. it's not as well known as so many other state parks. And it's right along, it's kind of along the Peshtigo River. A lot of flowage is up in that area. So there's a lot of isolated areas where you can set up camp. And there's camp, there's people camping near you, but they're far enough away. It's not like you're at a site, you can see the next campsite. Well, and I don't know, when you said it's far away, so you meant like the actual campgrounds are spread out there? Yeah, and just the state park itself I was gonna is say, far away when you from said so that, many other state that's parks. That's the reason why I haven't been there yet is because it's mm-hmm. kind of a state park. Like you said, when you look at a map, it is out on its own yeah. in northeastern Wisconsin, which I've liked to try to hit up to in a weekend. Yeah. So I haven't yet made it there. But you're saying that's one I should definitely have on my camping yeah, bucket it's list. It's up in Marinette County, which is surrounded by so much natural beauty. The Peshtigo River's right there. And... You just, you're literally, you're about 15 miles off the main road, which is 141. You go down a lot of county roads and you come to the state park and there's so many different options where you can set up camp. And there's some, you know, there's restrooms in other areas you can get to pretty easily. But for the true roughing it camping, if you're just pitching a straight up tent, you're going to build the fire and, you know, dig up the area where you're going to have that fire and everything. I, I would suggest that's a good place to, to explore it because I, I suspect a lot of people who like camping have not been there yet. There are hmm. no mosquitoes there, too, I heard. Mm, sure. <laughs> okay. There's mosquitoes everywhere. There's probably a few buzzing around in our cabin right now. That would be like a really smart tourism slogan to be like, we have fewer mosquitoes than anywhere else in the state, <laughs> even if it's false. Well, stay tuned go. for my favorite campground. Why? Fewer mosquitoes? All right, I'll just talk about this now. <laughs> I'll mention my other one later. It's no problem, Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> Since we're on the topic of mosquitoes, this is what I love about this park, and I know that I have been kind of 
cloak and dagger about this hidden gem campground that my wife and I always go to. It is the reason why I always get to go through Blanchardville and (laughs) see that beautiful gem of a town. Um, I really did not start this podcast thinking I would be so pro Blanchardville. I think our podcast um, name should be Blanchardville and Other Towns. (laughs) (laughs) But I figured this episode is the perfect one to lift the veil and tell you all about how much I love going to (gasps) Yellowstone Lake State Park. It's the most amazing campground ever. We very rarely have a hard time finding a site to reserve there, which is why we try to keep it hush-hush. But at this point, we've got our weekends booked for this year, so you listeners, go ahead and try to take the other ones. But (laughs) the reason... The reason we love it so much is the campsites are actually pretty high off the water there, and they have a bunch of bat houses that I, the past two or three times I've gone there, I don't think I've sprayed mosquito spray once. So the bats just eat up all the mosquitoes and kind of leave you. And it is just perfect up there. Ellen's face is I did not know what a bat house was, and the fact that they're (laughs) placed there to, that... It's incredible. Wow. Um, you looked, in, you looked I horrified recommend Well, I was it's, like, excuse me, a bat house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a little bit southeast of Mineral Point, uh, about an hour southwest of Madison, so not too far away. Um, yeah, I love it. So I can you vouch. finally shared. I know. This That's is shocking. This is breaking That's news. That's the big yes. secret. Send out the press release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm excited that you finally shared Yellowstone Lake um, because... This was one I went to a couple of years ago, and it it's massive. First of uh-huh. all, it's a really big state park. And it kind of actually reminds me of – I have not yet been to Governor Thompson State Park up in northeast Wisconsin, but I I have similar feelings of them in that they're, they're just two state parks that are not thought of as much. Yeah. I think uh, Yellowstone Lake is a little bit more visited than probably Governor Thompson just because of the location. It's sure. in southern Wisconsin. Yeah. But and it's huge. So it, it, it is spread out, you mm-hmm. know, like it is easy to get around without feeling. I mean, nobody wants to go camping for the most part to run into a whole bunch of people. You kind of want to feel like yeah. you're out on your own for the and most that's, part. And that's great there because a lot of people come into that park for the day and they bring their boats and they hang out by the lake and everything. But if you don't want to be near those big crowds of people, you'd stay up by the sites up the hill and you can barely hear what's going on down there. Hmm. And the lake is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I like, it's much bigger than I thought. It's, it's stunning. Like if you want that pretty sunset picture. Absolutely. At Yellowstone Lake. Well, there are not a lot yep. of lakes in that area of Wisconsin. So mm-hmm. the no, fact- No, Driftless is very no. rare So I that. think when you come on it, it feels that much more dramatic. It's one thing to be up in Northeast Wisconsin where there's a lake around every bend, but down in that area, there isn't. It's mostly ridges and, you know, valleys. And then suddenly you get into the state park and this pretty big lake opens up for you. It just yeah. kind of surprises you. It comes out of nowhere. What is that in your hands? It's a big atlas. I had to look up where Yellowstone <laughs> is Lake map? is. Is that a print map? <laughs> I've never seen a, one of those. It's a Gazette map atlas. Oh, I love these vintage. when I road trip. Yes. How old and is Eric's really I'm still going a paper analog map with reader. this. Well, I had to figure out where Yellowstone Lake State Park yeah. was. I had no idea. Right, so it's Grandpa. in the northeast section of Lafayette County. Yep. Well, you are just <laughs> asking for it. Just southwest of Blanchard. Alan with right, just cool. the subtle, sa- yeah, not, and not so little, subtle savage comments. I love it. <laughs> little insider tip. When you go there, there is a very nice farm couple who sell firewood for very cheap. As you're coming in from Blanchardville, you'll run right past it. Pay them a visit. They're nice people. 
Does everyone know you by name there? Not yet. <laughs> hey, Audio Dave is back. <laughs> you need to plug the podcast next time you go through. Be like, I did. Oh, last, excellent. Yeah, last time I was talking to them. Mm-hmm. They said they watched the show. Oh, I love that. <gasps> so you're going to get the key to the city of Blanchardville <laughs> on your way to and fro. Yep. Right? Okay. Absolutely. I should say that. Next up on our eighth most downloaded episode, we are hitting you with episode 26, a Wisconsin deep dive into Door County. Okay, I'll tell you what's on that's been on my bucket list forever. And it's actually a good transition out of our County of the Week segment talking about Death's Door. So the shipwrecks in Door County or right off of Door County amaze me. And everyone kind of knows they're there. I think we're aware of them. But to actually go and explore them, and here's what makes it interesting. So there are apparently about 275 shipwrecks in less than 60 feet of water. And one of the reasons why so many divers love to flock to Door County to experience them is because they're so well preserved because of how cold the water is there wow yeah so you can really i mean they just haven't deteriorated as much as i think in warm water shipwrecks have so that is something that you know when you say okay you're planning a trip i have yet to do i mean the restaurant scene i want to get into that because you can't go to dora county and like not have an amazing meal it's just there's there's some great foodie destinations around every corner but when we talk about, I mean, I plan my trips around adventure. That's like the first thing I kind of look for is like, what's something I could do to like truly explore the area? And shipwrecks are one of a couple things that are top of are at the top of my bucket list for Dora County. So we'll have to go there for your underwater episode that we're going to yes. film, right? Yes. Yes. I would die to do it kind of. So I, we talked about the underwater episode but i have to admit i'd be like a little i would do it but i'd be a little freaked out to be like i don't know how close i don't know if you can get in the boats probably not i'm guessing you have to like stay a little bit away but that would be kind of creepy what if there's bodies in there (laughs) ghost ship do you think there are bodies in there there may be some remnants but most of those shipwrecks happened 150 200 plus years ago too they're just skeletons so a lot of Perhaps. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, we have taken a dark turn on the cabin today. I like <laughs> Shipwrecks go turns. back to the late 1600s up in that area. So, I mean, it's, wow. it's been wow. a long time for some of them. And That's there is more crazy. information about that at the Door County Maritime Museum locations. There's one in Sturgeon Bay, and then there's one up near Gills Rock, near the tip of the peninsula, along Highway 42. So if you really want some background on the shipwrecks, that Maritime Museum, either, either location's a good stop. All right, Eric. Take it away. Where would you take us? To eat first or? Well, whatever you think. What's like when you think Door County, what are you like? Yes, you have to go do this thing. Hmm. Well, I love, first of all, I do love Sturgeon Bay. You know, that is, it's the county seat and it really wasn't, they built a bypass around there in the late seventies and the town had a little more of a, of a rough time, but it has come back big time in the last few years. The main street, which is, you got to use the steel bridge to cross in Door County. Yeah. It's a historic bridge from 1930. It's beautiful. It's a truss bridge. And there's so much going on on either side of that now along the shores in Sturgeon Bay. So that's a great place to kick off your trip just to get a lay of the land. You, the actual waters of Sturgeon Bay are really cool. They're the calmest waters in Door County. Mm-hmm. And then you that's your launching pad. And then what you really need to do is check out the coasts. And one of the best ways is to go on 57 up to the Lake Michigan side and hit Cave Point County Park 
and Whitefish Dunes State Park because there you're getting big white beaches, big white cliffs, and then rocks at Cave Point where Lake Michigan water just not only crashes onto but through and up because there are some areas in the rocks where it's porous and the water will shoot up through there. So that will give you a sense of the just the natural beauty. And then I like hitting all those great towns along 42, like Egg Harbor and then Fish Creek and then Peninsula State Park right there in Ephraim. I mean, you, you got to do the tour first. You got to do that circle of 42 and 57 to get the lay of the land. And so you recommend just inside. driving. Do a drive first is like step one. Do a drive because then it gives you the realization that you are truly on a peninsula. You're never more than a few miles away from the waters of Lake Michigan or Green Bay, which of course is part of Lake Michigan. And that just, that just orients you. And then you can really, uh, then suddenly your level of appreciation for it is where it should be. And then you mm-hmm. can head everything else. All right. Coming in at number seven is episode 41. Welcome to the North Woods. To you, does the Northwoods at all include Wausau or Eau Claire? Eau Claire, no. I would say okay. no for Wausau as well. I, yeah. I agree. I agree. Oh, we're I in think, agreement. I think my, this is exciting. my <laughs> point is probably, and like you've mentioned, it kind of starts after you leave Wausau. And I think the highway east to west for me is 64. Because mm. I know I, I've seen people say Highway 8, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really... I'm mostly looking at how far does the Shawamigan Nicolay National Forest go down, and that kind of cuts off a little bit of that forest to the south on the eastern part of the state. And so I think Highway 64 is my answer. I think that's a really excellent one because when you're in the northeast part over by Marinette where 64 has its eastern end, mm-hmm. south of there it's mostly farmland. Yeah. But the woods get really dense really fast north of 64 in the northeast part of the state. So for those of us who aren't quite as road savvy, Highway 64 starts where it ends where in terms of Wisconsin. It's it's basically twin cities to twin cities, as I like to say. It's from the Marinette and Menominee, Marinette, Wisconsin and Menominee, Michigan, from right where they meet at the eastern Mm -hmm. edge of the state. And it goes straight over to the Twin Cities. It, it, It basically ends at Stillwater, Minnesota. Just northeast of so Minneapolis. Would it yeah, so that like goes Lincoln through Lincoln County. So that goes through goes New right Richmond, through. Merrill, yep. Anago, Langlade, and over to Marinette. Mm-hmm. I remember having someone who was from the Northwoods. I noticed people that are up north, they've got a higher caliber, a higher line in terms of what they consider the Northwoods to be. Um, But I had someone up there say, Tomahawk is not the Northwoods. It is definitely not the Northwoods. And I was like, really? Okay, that to me, I would have had that in my Northwoods column. (laughs) So it's interesting. A lot of people would say US-8, which Tomahawk essentially just grazes just north of. Um, and it depends. The further north you go, the higher the Northwoods definition begins. Yes, and, so true. I mean, there's people in Hurley who might say, "Nah, it really doesn't start till you get to the UP there." <laughs> so it it really it really varies. But yeah, I think I think 64 is a really excellent one if you're talking about the North Woods. Yeah, and I guess if you're looking at a the ecological answer, it's above that tension zone. And that kind of goes a little bit higher on the west side, like you were saying, and Mm -hmm. kind of makes an S. And above there, you start getting more of those red and white pines. And I was looking into a little bit more about this. It's actually referred to as the Laurentian Mixed Forest Province, which 
kind of ties in with that Laurentide ice sheet that confused us <laughs> a while back. I love that but, ice sheet. But <laughs> it's my favorite ice sheet. <laughs> there was something that was actually talking about. There's a distinct smell of the Northwoods, and that comes from above that tension zone. You get more oh. of like balsam poplar mm. trees and sweet ferns. So, Dave, are you a botanist? There you go. Wow, Thank that's you. aspiring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cabin listeners, you will notice a theme as we get to the top half of these top 10 episodes. But coming in at our sixth most downloaded episode is episode 40, Wisconsin Ghost Towns. Okay, I have been dying to talk about Carryville, Wisconsin. You guys familiar with Carryville? No. Mm -mm. Probably not. It is an unincorporated township southwest of Eau Claire in Dunn County. Again, like last week, my <laughs> spiel was in Dunn County. Can we um, agree that the spookiest, most haunted county is Dunn? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Manitowoc might. Yeah, Manitowoc's yeah. up there. That's yeah. a good point. True. Mm. I wanted okay. to talk about Carryville just because it is such a conglomerate of so many ghost stories and haunting tales and legends just within maybe a couple mile stretch that this town inhabits. It's right along the Chippewa River. And there are basically like five locations in this town that have all of these ghost stories and sightings tied to them. There is the cemetery in town that there are stories of ghosts of children playing and sometimes even approaching visitors. Um, <laughs> apparently, I, I saw a report that Unsolved Mysteries did a segment here. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Mm. And they supposedly recorded ghost activity. There is a church in that town that apparently people have seen the body of a priest hanging in the belfry, although it's a Lutheran church, so I don't think they have priests, but that's the story. <laughs> there is also like a little schoolhouse there that is supposedly haunted by the spirit of a young boy who died there <sighs> and is guarded by this three-legged, one-eyed black cat that kind of fends off visitors. Oh my gosh. Through town is 240th Avenue. And apparently if you drive down that road, you'll see headlights of phantom cars that will appear and disappear on the roads nearby and chase you and play chicken as you drive. And then there's the Meridine Boat Landing, which is kind of the hub of all these hauntings. Apparently it was named after this little girl named Mary Dean, um, who died while traveling on a ferry boat or a steamboat down the Chippewa River. She got ill suddenly, and they supposedly buried her near where this boat landing stands. And people go there, and, they, and there are accounts of hearing strange animal noises from across the water. Uh, hellhounds are a big subject of these stories mm -hmm. they see like red glowing eyes in the woods so literally any of the spooky things you can think of all yeah. thrown into one location like a three mile <laughs> town or something it is just wild so either Carryville, wisconsin has a long history of very imaginative people or there's something to it 
Um, Dave, you are not going to get a job with Carryville's Chamber of <laughs> Commerce Visitor Bureau anytime soon. But well, he might. What if he just pushed a lot of interested? Well, yeah, I don't know if you did, but people, you know, ghost chasers up yeah, to Carryville. People who are into well, that's this true. thing. That's true. It's a pretty popular place that people will come from out of state to go to this unincorporated community to check out what's going on. And I should give a shout out because I've kind of used their research for the past couple episodes, Chad Lewis and Terry Fisk. They wrote a book that is just awesome. If you're into this kind of thing, it's called The Wisconsin Road Guide to Haunted Locations. It's great. Check it out if you want to go visit some of these places. I think they do a good job of describing what the stories are and then what they found when they talked to actual locals, what they could prove and stuff. But yeah, Carryville is very interesting to me. So road trip to Carryville. Anyone? <laughs> In the daytime, maybe. We just did our big <laughs> RV trip. We should have done a detour down to Carryville. Yeah. Stayed the night in the RV in Might Carryville. as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. We are halfway there with the announcement of episode 34, Fall Day Trips in Wisconsin. So I'm trying to figure out where to start. I'm thinking of, I'm just going to start at the top on my list here with Flights Field Stones in Coloma, which is in Washera County. Yep, right up the Central Road. Yes. So I had a great time. We filmed here and it was part of our Washera County episode, which you can go stream on YouTube right now. Um, but this was fun because believe it or not, you guys, I had never done a corn maze until we filmed this episode. Oh, Seriously? that was this episode. What? Yes. I'm a very navigationally challenged individual, so I've always just kind of <laughs> steered clear of anything that requires an aptitude for navigating, which is why I've never done a corn maze. <laughs> but that was actually one of my favorite shoots. We got the drone up, and they just basically let me loose, and they're like, good luck, Mariah. And the drone was like following me around right above me, so it was kind of creepy because I was lost. The drone was stalking me. But I did eventually make it back, and they had amazing donuts. I'm going to tell you guys right now, we've been talking about pumpkin spice, everything. No, the absolute best part of fall are the little mini sugar donuts. Mm. They're so I'm with you on that, good. And I most a lot of the spots on my list here are home to some great donuts. So I did the work for you guys, all of you listeners, and found some of the best spots where you can go and stock up on your fall donuts. You are Ooh. welcome. I love an apple cider donut. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they've got pumpkin spice donuts too. The other thing I like about Flight's Fieldstones is they've got this giant pumpkin chucker. And I think there's a couple destinations on our list that have pumpkin. No, 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 no. They've got a cannon. And you you load the pumpkin into the cannon and it blasts off and it is the most startling experience. <laughs> I was actually scared when we did that. Like, is this thing safe? Is it going to malfunction? Is it going to shoot backwards? Like, I don't know. But it, then once you do it, you're like, wow, if I owned this place, I would just be back with the pumpkin cannon at all times, like blowing off steam, like chucking pumpkins in the neighbor's yard. It was really fun. That's Flights Fieldstones in Coloma. All right, next up, we have our fourth most downloaded episode of 2020, which was episode 37, Wisconsin's Best Bites, the Supper Club edition. Is okay. anybody hungry? <gasps> yes, I am actually very hungry. 
We're not calling it dinner. We're calling it supper. supper. <laughs> it is supper club time on this edition of The Cabin. Mm-hmm. We remain the king of supper clubs in this We state. definitely are. And speaking of king of supper clubs, I think we should start with arguably the supper club with probably the largest wow factor. Why not? Again, it's the first one everybody's going to think of. It's the first one. So let's talk about Ishnala Supper Club in Lake Delton, which sits right basically in Mirror Lake State Park, <laughs> overlooking Mirror Lake. Uh, what I love about this supper club is it comes right up to the lake. In fact, you could not have built this supper club in with today's building regulations just because of how <laughs> it literally sits over the top of the lake. Stunning views, probably some of the best views you're going to find. I mean, we've got a lot of great supper clubs with phenomenal views, but this one is you can literally canoe or kayak right up to the supper club while you're on Mirror Lake. Well, and the design of the building as such, you get a lot of different views from several different angles. Yes. And there's outdoor, you can sit outdoors or stand outside or just enjoy. There's two levels to the bar. So you can enjoy Mirror Lake from the second floor or the third, if you will. And I believe the building started as someone's private residence, right? I think and they so. I know. converted it? Yeah. I th- yes. And I know there's still a private residence as I think part of the building. There's also, oh, I'm failing to remember the exact table number, but when you go to. Uh, Ishnala Supper Club. I remember when I interviewed Bob, the owner, uh, he took me to a specific table in the corner of the restaurant with literally, I mean, the, every table's got amazing views because the whole place is like full of windows. But this one has just got, I think, the, the best of the best. And he said he's got, you know, anniversary dates happen there. So many engagements have happened at that table. It's like, that's the memory making table, he says, which was cool. Like just to know that he's, you know, contributing to all these really awesome memory, not just great meals, but really awesome memories for you know all the, the folks who come into Ishnala. I thought it was pretty special to hear about. And hopefully you remember those memories after several old fashions, which is yeah. their special. Yes. And I'm a brandy old fashioned sour kind of guy, mm. but people of course like their old fashions a variety of ways. And I will say this, a Bloody Mary at Ishnala is really cool. It's incredibly Instagram worthy because it's served yeah. in a very tall glass kind of a tall hourglass shaped glass with a lot of the accoutrement on the top. And you order one of those and an old fashioned and put them together. You've got one heck of a picture, especially if you're looking out onto the lake. Yeah. And let's, I know this is probably already obvious, but the fact that it's called Mirror Lake is for good reason. I mean, it is a gorgeous, very placid lake with some of the, uh, talk about Instagram worthy. Like that is definitely <laughs> You know, an Instagram-friendly view right outside of Ishnala. Uh, just a great spot. I love it there. And Absolutely the, the food's it. good, too. I guess we should mention that. Oh, part, it's but, amazing. Yeah. The, the duck. Food's good I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've had yeah. the duck? Mm-hmm. Very, very good. I have not. That is on my list. Coming in at the top three is episode 33, Scenic Wisconsin Drives for Fall Colors. All right. Now I'm going to go highway by highway. It's kind of my nature Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's easier to follow because you just follow the number. But I'm going to start up north because that's where the leaf leaf changes are first. Uh, But up in the Northwoods, Highway 77 from Minong over to Mellon, which is between US 53 and Highway 13. That's part of the Great Divide Scenic Highway, which is the divide means that water north of there generally runs to Lake Superior and south of there runs to the Mississippi River. But the fall colors in that area are brilliant because it's very hilly and there's just nothing interrupting the trees. 
that's the kind of driver you see a sign that will say elk crossing next 35 miles. <laughs> and it's just massive amounts of forest and a huge variety of trees. So you'll see a very wide artist's palette, if you will, of color changes up there in that area. So that that would be one of the first areas I'd recommend, especially for the month of September. And that's Highway 77? That's Highway 77. And, you know, a lot of the forest roads and county roads around it in that area. So if you went up 53 to Minong, which is where Jack Links is, Jack Links headquarters, and then just follow 77 towards Mellon, you'll see some gorgeous fall colors. And then right on the other side of Mellon off 169 is Copper Falls Copper, State yeah. Park and some Ooh, other, which would be a good one during which the fall, would be, especially. Yep. Yeah. In fact, that's where you should wrap up that kind yes. of a trip. So, yes. I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. <laughs> <laughs> so my trigger finger can calm down for the rest of the segment. All right. That works. <laughs> I wondered how you were going to approach that sound effect throughout this entire episode. <laughs> Okay, well, since we're in the North Woods, I'm going to start with my northernmost route, which is the Lake Superior Scenic Byway, also known as Highway 13. Mm-hmm. So the fall colors on the Bayfield Peninsula Tour, amazing. I would start in the Ashland area and then make your way north of Bayfield to the Brule River State Forest, which sprawls about 40,000 acres. Now, I do want to just deviate here a tiny bit because I found as I was trying to come up with not just some routes, but some great destinations, state forests kept popping into my head. Uh, Now there are about, I think there's 14 state forests in Wisconsin. And I know here, and I think in general, we talk a lot about state parks, but state forests tend to kind of fly under the radar a little bit. And obviously, you know, for a fall color tour, they're perfect. They're usually much more expansive than state parks, a lot bigger, with obviously a ton of trees, ton of foliage. So I have got a couple on my list here, but the Brule River State Forest, definitely, I'm guessing the northernmost state forest that we have here in the state, and definitely one worthy of driving around and hiking through during the fall months. It's along the Brule River, which is called the River of Presidents, because so many presidents, like back in the early 1900s, used to go up there and fish and get away from it all. Really? Yeah, get away from the annoying noise of the telegraphs and such (laughs) that they used to deal with back then. (laughs) All right. Our second most downloaded episode in 2020 was episode 39, Unsolved Mysteries in Wisconsin. Mine is called the Poverty Island Treasure Mystery. That's an oxymoron in itself, isn't it? Yes, it is, actually. Mm -hmm. Some treasure on Poverty Island. Or is there treasure outside of Poverty Island? (laughs) Okay. So for this one, we're headed to Door County, a spot that's very well known for its shipwrecks, death's door, and lots of legends, including this one. So the mystery, which centers on Poverty Island, which is a speck of rocky land off the eastern coast of Door County in the frigid waters of Lake Michigan. I'd never heard of Poverty Island. I've heard a lot of the islands in the area. I was just thinking that. I'd never heard of it either. No, apparently it exists. So, so that's no, that's not the legend part. Poverty Island actually exists, but here's the story that is that here's how it goes. So the legend of Poverty Island gold has basically long been told among those who truly follow maritime stories. And I saw that a lot with maritime historians in Wisconsin and beyond this, this story got brought up quite a lot. Supposedly, five chests of gold are located somewhere on the island's coastline. One reason why a lot of historians, not all of them, feel strongly that this is not just a legend, but it's true, is that the stories have just been so consistent, apparently, over time. 
According to the legend, Napoleon Bonaparte was desperate to assist the South during the Civil War, and the story says several chests of gold, five exactly, worth in today's world an approximate $400 million, were brought through overland through Canada and loaded onto a schooner on Lake Michigan. But during its voyage, the ship was discovered and chased. The crew members chained the chests together and threw them overboard rather than risk the chance of being caught. That's quite a risk, I feel like, throwing $400 million worth of gold into the ocean. But, I mean, I guess if you don't want to get caught, you got to do what you got to do. $400 so, million in dollars from that era? From today's era. Okay. Yeah. It'd be $400 million worth of gold coins in today's world. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. What year was this, Adjusted by the way? for inflation. Yes. <laughs> Adjusted. Um, getting to that. So this was actually over, a f this lasted a few years, actually. So in the early 1920s, a freighter ran aground on Poverty Island. While tugboats dragged the ship off the rocks, the tugboat's anchors snagged some wooden boxes and the chains that held them together. However, as the wooden boxes were brought to the surface, the chest broke free and back into Lake Michigan. Later, a lighthouse keeper's son named Carly Jessen watched the men on a salvage boat searching for something in the water for a couple of days off of Poverty Island. And then the young man bet that it had something to do with gold because apparently on like the last day they were searching, there was a huge celebratory hoopla out on Lake Michigan on these boats. Then a storm blew in and that boat was lost. Hmm. Over the decades, others have ventured into the waters and searched for the sunken treasure. So true or not, the legend lives on for those who believe it and are brave enough to attempt the search in the cold and often very stormy water. If you know Lake Michigan well, you know it's tricky to, even for the most advanced divers. So that's the legend which caught the attention of the producers of Unsolved Mysteries. That show ended up sending a crew to Door County in August of 1994. All right, and this is it. Our number one most downloaded episode of 2020 was episode 38, Wisconsin's Most Haunted Places. Yeah, it was, it was clear to me that this is a passion topic for so many of our followers. I asked where, in your opinion, is Wisconsin's most haunted destination, and I got a nice variety, many of which I are making the list here today. So I thought I'd kick off with one of the most suggested destinations um, that I saw on social media over the past couple days, and that is the Fister in uh, Milwaukee. Yes. <laughs> so I will Blocks admit— Blocks from where I live. Yeah, <laughs> lucky you. Uh, obviously a gorgeous hotel. I will be honest with you guys, of all the like very like the brief research I've done on each of these destinations, this one was the most fun because nothing mm -hmm. brings me more joy than reading about big masculine athletes being scared to absolute <laughs> death over their stay here. So that's kind of the running joke, or maybe it's not a joke, it might be a real thing, depending on how much of this you believe, is that uh, the Fister has scared away a lot of opposing, not just opposing uh, baseball teams, but MLB players in general, <laughs> which if you go and read their quotes, which I'm about to do, I'm going to read one of them. It's pretty, <laughs> it's, it's alarming, but also simultaneously hilarious. It's part yeah. of our home field advantage plan <laughs> right? here in Milwaukee. Yeah, so make true. sure they don't get a proper night's rest Precisely. before the game. I know. A tired, scared player isn't going to beat you very well. Right? <laughs> 
Yep. I mean, the Fister is, I think, absolutely gorgeous. I know it's the backdrop to a lot of wedding photos, just photography in general. I mean, there's no doubt it is a sight to see, and it's historic. It, I think many presidents I know have stayed there. It was a big spot for celebrities who would come into the Milwaukee area. They'd stay Still there. Still is, a lot of- by the way. Yeah, a lot of famous... Paul McCartney's favorite hotel in the Midwest, I know Really? Mm-hmm. Does he know how... I wonder if he had a haunted experience. Okay, so this was Carlos Gomez. <laughs> One of the most interesting men in baseball. Uh, so Gomez said... This is according to MLB.com, by the way. Said that he has heard voices while staying at the Fister. With the worst happening when he got out of the shower one year he was in town and heard static playing on his ipod that tells us roughly what time what year this was uh so he grabbed the device which suddenly changed to another song he raced out of the room and into the lobby before even putting his pants on he said i'm scared to go there (laughs) they should change the hotel everybody here doesn't like the hotel why they always put us in the same hotel when you can't sleep everything's scary everything in the hotel the paintings and pictures it's a lot of old crazy stuff no good, man. No good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because it's one of the most beautiful lobbies you'll ever see in oh, a hotel. Stunning. It's one of the finest hotels literally in the country. It's it's considered one of the best places you can stay. But it does date back to 1893, and there are some old stories involved. Have you guys actually stayed there? I haven't. No. Me neither. So I've been many Once. times, but I ha- Okay. And you didn't. Any good stories? I was going to (laughs) say. Not related to hauntings. Okay. (laughs) When did it start being like haunted? Uh, Or has it always had this reputation? Or at what point in time were they like, no, this place is messed up? To my understanding, the first indication of hauntings were in the 1920s or so, about Mm. 30, 40 years after the hotel first opened. Mm. And which, you know, after a generation or so, that's about enough time for enough stories to have happened and folklore to advance. And because so many famous people have stayed there, you know, those stories then propagate. Yeah. One of my favorite stories is, I think it was the Cardinals in 2018 or something. There was four teammates that ended up all hunkering together in a room and staying the night because they all had these scary experiences and were all so spooked that four grown men had to huddle up for safety that's just so funny (laughs) they have baseballs with them too for defense of course you can't throw it through a ghost can you (laughs) you try Mm. (laughs) all right cabin listeners that was our review of the top 10 most downloaded episodes of 2020 this podcast has been such an exciting new addition for the discover wisconsin team and we all love working on this podcast so much bringing you guys the best of Wisconsin. If there is anything else that you would like to see discussed or talked about, visited in 2021, please leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. Or as always, we love hearing your voices just as much. So please leave us a voicemail at 608-909-1935. Or if this rundown inspired you and you want to check out the full episodes, go check out the blog post that we have at bobber.discoverwisconsin.com with direct links to each of the episodes. And we will see you in 2021.